You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So as I mentioned, tomorrow is going to be more of the day where we look uh, a little closer at the Chicago Bears because I jumped the gun a little bit yesterday. Today, um, I did go back and watch all the passing plays. I am significantly less concerned than I was in the past. I think one of the things that's surprising is how short a game is. You go back and rewatch a game and just sort through, I just want to see all the passing plays. And you figure, okay, the first half is fine. And so you skip, well, I mean, I watched it, but it was fine, right? So that's the other thing. Half the game wasn't a problem, with the exception of a couple plays, but whatever. So then you watch, it's really just a handful of series, sort, sort out all the run plays, a bunch of completions, and you're just looking at, I mean, I'm seriously, like six plays you're trying to look at and see what happened here. And so doing that, you realize, and, and the thing is, it's different answers every time. And, and sometimes there's no answers. Just that wasn't a great play. Guys aren't open. I don't know why. I know that's a big debate right now on Twitter is should you be breaking down whatever. I think Twitter is just a bunch of middle school girls or something. I don't understand what the problem is. Just let's just start fighting for no reason whatsoever. Like, I don't know. Life isn't hard enough. we got to create fake conflict that doesn't matter. Children. Anyways, the exercise in and of itself definitely helped ease things because it feels like, oh no, Aaron Rodgers was just horrible and he's been terrible for like an entire game, which is basically like an entire week, which is, you know, two weeks out of three and it's, oh no, what's wrong with him? And then again, you break it down and we're talking about like five, six plays where stuff went wrong. Sometimes you look at Rodgers and go, uh, maybe you could have done this. Sometimes you're looking at Lafleur, like, what even is this play call? And sometimes you're looking at it like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what could have been better. I mean, nobody's open, but I can't point at any one individual receiver to say you should have done better because you just ran a route. So it's just, it's, it, it's a lot easier when you can just see the whole field and just kind of go, oh, okay. As opposed to watching it live and just seeing Rodgers stand there and then get sacked or throw it away or do whatever. And then you got to make up a reason why in your mind. Like, Rodgers, you just, you never throw it to the guy who's open. How do you know somebody was open? You didn't, can't even see the receiver. Like, aneurysm noises going on just all up in your living room. No, that doesn't mean everything's okay, but I don't know. Anyways, because I can't remember anything, we're going to do the giveaway right here and now. And I think I'm going to cut it down to two days because this is taking forever. You have today and tomorrow to respond to me. And I'm not feeling good about this at all because I have a hunch that this is a Vikings fan, but we're going to do it anyways. The winner of the Chuck Mercine jersey slash, meaning or, an 8x10 of Johnny Holland is Mr. Yuna Zipper of Rip Snorters. I feel like I don't need to elaborate on that. I'm I'm talking to you. There's not two of you on Instagram, I, I promise you. But if you are at all interested in this, you are officially the winner. Get back to me today or tomorrow, and we'll get that out to you. By the way, because um, I know some people are super into dogs, myself included, not a bad Instagram to follow. Apparently, Rip Snorters is the name of a kennel, 
And so the Instagram, because I'm creeping on it, which, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Is it really creeping if you're just on somebody's Instagram? Isn't that what you're supposed to do on Instagram? There's no such thing as creeping on Instagram. Get out of my face. Anyways, it's just a bunch of dogs and stuff, so there you go. I promoted your Instagram, too, so get back to me. Anyways, let's take a break. Actually, you know what? We're not going to take a break, because I'm still at 296 iTunes reviews. Some of you guys, man. Think of all the hard work you did to get us here to 296. You went on iTunes and typed in a thing and clicked on the five star. Just grinding. All that work to get us to 300 reviews and we're stalled out. Don't let it happen, folks. Don't let them win. The Bears fans and the communists are trying to keep us down, but we're not going to let it happen. We came all this way for 300 iTunes reviews. And by golly, we're going to get it. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell grandma that you're not going to help her with her TV shows and her remote control anymore until she puts in an iTunes review. Tell grandpa to put down the Sudoku. You got the rest of the day anyways. Come on over because I've worked too hard. Because you've worked too hard to get to this point. And we will not fail. I mean, what do you want to be in your life? You want to be somebody that, that, that goes almost all the way there and quits? You going to be a 296er your whole life? Or are you going to be a 300? Make up your mind, man. It's time to choose. Let's take a break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, you know what time it is. It's Vivid Seats Check. Because you just never know when a great, fun event is just going to sneak up on you. Betty White live in concert, man. It comes and it goes. I don't know how many opportunities you think you're going to catch her. Smokey Robinson, right? And I don't want to hear any crying about Paul Anka opening for Smokey Robinson, all right? That's not an excuse. By the way, if Smokey Robinson didn't go on tour with Paul Anka after that episode of The Office, massive failure. But again, it's free to download the app, and once you download it, you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards. All you got to do is flip around and be like, do I want to do any of this stuff? Yes or no? And then you got to ask yourself the big question before you close out the app. Do I want to go to the Packers game against the Bears? Second question, follow-up question, technically third, but we're sticking with the Packers thing. Who am I bringing with me? Once you get that all sorted out, you go to checkout, put in promo code overtime, get some of that money back in addition 
to the Vivid Seats rewards that you're accumulating by going to all these great concerts and shows. And that's what I call living the dream. I don't know what you call it. That's what I call it. Check it out. Give it a shot. See what's up. So just a couple examples of what happened. Starting in the third quarter. Started off, the very first play was a pass to Aaron Jones for a first down. The next play, Aaron Jones runs for 23 yards, first down. Aaron Jones runs for five. Aaron Rodgers passes for four yards. So it's third and one. In my opinion, this is just a terrible play call. And this is the play, if you remember, where Aaron Rodgers immediately rolls out to his right. He was just delaying, 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 throws the ball out of bounds, and then just starts screaming violently at what appears to be Devontae Adams. So the first issue with this, and maybe it's not even worth saying it because maybe it would have worked if people were just doing the right things, but, I mean, you've got at least six guys in coverage. There's only two receivers running around. There's only two. I can see at least two tight ends on the field. Uh, I think Jamal was in, but all three of those guys were blocking. All I can see is Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. That's it. The bigger issue, and this is why Aaron Rodgers was screaming, both wide receivers were blocking downfield. This is a passing play, and the only two wide receivers running routes were out blocking. Now, it's not super clear, but if you kind of really look at it, it definitely looks like the first, the first thing that they're doing is running a route to try to get guys to turn their backs and run. Then once they get up to that, that sort of next level, right, Devontae kind of jukes a guy, and then as the, the corner is trying to get out in front of him, you can see Devontae running straight at the corner and trying to, like, stay in front of him. Same thing is true of Lazard, whereas instead of running a route and then hooking real hard, which if he had done it, easy first down, right? Stick your foot in the ground, curl, and come get the ball. But he's just standing there. And by the time he realizes Aaron Rodgers is trying to throw this football, he, you know, he runs, he kind of rips his body around, but at that point it's too late. The ball's already out of bounds, and Aaron Rodgers is flipping his lid. Now, they were close enough, so they went for it on fourth and one, gave it to Jamal, and they got a first down. But again, the point is, okay, so it's the third quarter. Everything's going great. Everything's just as you would expect, and then there's a miscommunication. So then they run the ball for no gain, run the ball for six, third and four, and they're going to pass again. So this is third and four. If you have game pass where I'm at, they're starting at the Washington 15. There's 10-19 left in the third. I've stopped it about halfway through. I can see three guys between the 10 and the 15-yard line. All three of them are so close to the corners. Two of them, the corners or the, the defensive backs, linebackers, whoever they are in coverage, have their chests actually touching the wide receivers. That's how close they are. The third guy on the outside, the corner has both hands on the wide receiver and his elbows are bent. In other words, he's extremely close. There's another receiver, I think it's Jimmy Graham, I can't really tell, the video is really choppy when you pause it. He's at about the five, he's got a guy on his heel. The only guy that's somewhat open, it seems to be, is Alan Lazard. He doesn't have anyone within maybe three yards of him, but he's got a triangle of guys around him. There's somebody in front of him, there's somebody trailing, and then there's a, the closest to him is a safety. The safety is over top. He's about four yards away, three, four yards away. And I have a feeling, considering he is, because Aaron Rodgers has dropped all the way to the 25. So we're talking about a 23-yard pass, trying to get it over the linebacker in front of Lazard, but hoping the, the safety can't crash down. And I'm sure he can't. I don't think he can make that throw. So as I'm staring at this right now, third and four, and this is something that um, I think it was Nathaniel Hackett had said, they were shocked to see how many times they dropped eight. Because as I've been saying for a while, the, the game plan for most defensive uh, coordinators is stack the box, play man coverage, dare them to throw. Well, they went for eight, you know, eight guys in coverage, which is probably why Aaron Jones ran for almost 200 yards. But then you get a play like this, 
And it's kind of doubly bad because on one hand, there's so many defensive backs everywhere. And on the other hand, four of the five guys here cannot get any separation. And so they've got basically, because they've dropped so many guys, you've got zone and man going on at the same time. And it's kind of a mix of who's, uh, who's matched up on who. But he's got a lot of time to throw. Everybody's scrambling around. I keep inching this video forward. Nobody's open, nobody's open, nobody's open. Finally, Devontae kind of breaks free. He sprints to the sideline. Aaron Rodgers does the best job he possibly can to try to fit a ball in. It just doesn't work. So I'm not putting any of this on Rodgers. Nobody was open. And again, it's hard to try to break it down and say, well, then the wide receivers are at fault. Well, I mean, if, if you tell somebody to run a curl route, and they do, and there's just a guy standing there in zone which happens entirely too often. In other words, hey, run up to that corner and then stop and turn around. That's not going to work ever. Now, maybe these guys, when, when the play breaks down, need to be much more aggressive, much more decisive. I don't know. But again, it's just one of those things you look at and just go, I don't know. I just think it's it's <clears throat> choking. I think sometimes play calling comes down to rock, paper, scissors. You call an offensive play. The defense calls a defensive play, and sometimes their play is just going to beat your play. Not that it's impossible to win when they call the perfect play, but there are times when, you know, once the play develops, you're looking at it and just like, I don't know how this is going to work. In other words, if the Packers knew this play call, never would they have called what they called. On third and four, they probably would have run the ball if they'd have known that they were going to rush three and drop eight. But they didn't. They didn't know that. And so the play was kind of doomed from the beginning. So you look at it and go, okay, well, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a failure. The wide receivers are terrible. No, I just think the defense called the right play. The offense called the wrong play. It's rock, paper, scissors. So then they kicked a field goal. Then from there, and this is the fourth quarter, there's a couple of throws, a couple of plays where you're looking at it. And one of the things that's difficult about this is it's kind of hard to decipher, could he have fit the ball in there? That's not the easiest game to play. Like, oh, he should have thrown it there. Look, he's open. Yeah, but you got to understand, the second he throws that, other guys start sprinting toward the ball. So I'm looking at the very next drive. And, and one of the things, and they had talked about how these plays take a long time to develop. And I understand sometimes when they're playing zone, you want to get behind that first layer. And that takes a while. But you also got to understand Aaron Rodgers is dropping back kind of a lot. So on this play in particular, he drops back from the 49-yard line. He's now on the 42-yard line. He's got three receivers. His three primary guys that he's trying to get to are racing to the, they're at or beyond the 35. This is 20 to 25 yards, and they're still sprinting. He's got two guys, Jamal Williams and Danny Vitale, who just looking at the screen capture, if you don't pay attention to what's going on, you look at it and go, oh, there's an easy 10-yard completion. The problem is, by the time they catch it, they're just at the sticks. Now, my preference would have been absolutely dump it down to Jamal here, but you can see him start to wind up, and then he backs out. And that's one thing I've noticed a couple times, is he makes up his mind, I'm going there, and he cocks his arm back, and then he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. He really wants to go somewhere, but they just, they're not open. And so now I'm looking at this, and it's super zoomed out. We've got, so Aaron Rodgers has dropped all the way to the 40. This is the Washington 40. One of our receivers is sitting at the Green Bay 15. He is more than 45 yards away. The other two guys are at the 20. So we're talking 40 yards away, and there's three DBs over there. This is not going to work. And so his only option was to check down. But again, it's a matter of we got to let the route develop. So he's waiting. And by the time he realized I can't go there, the, the linebacker had completely crashed down on Jamal. So now he's got guys that are chasing him. He's got somebody behind him that's coming. He's got somebody that's breaking through the line. He's, he's in a panic. we got to get rid of this ball. He can't throw it 40 yards in a pile of Washington Redskins defenders. That's not going to work. So his only two options right now outside of scramble are Jamal Williams, who's covered, Danny Vitale, who's covered. 
because he's in a pinch also, he's kind of just going to throw to the guy that he can see as opposed to, I know what I'll do. I'll turn my body, see if I can find Jamal, and hope that this guy kind of takes it easy on me when he buries his, his helmet into my chest. And so he's scrambling and running away, you know, Jamal, because Jamal on the opposite side of the field was kind of getting away. Maybe if there was no pressure and he's in a clean pocket, he could have thrown a good enough ball to get it over his shoulder and have it caught. But he's literally sprinting for his life in the other direction. So he just flips it out to Danny Vitale. Danny doesn't catch it, which is a good thing because it was behind the line of scrimmage anyways. So it just, it wasn't going to work. I mean, some of these plays, again, they take so long and they're so far down the field. You got three guys that don't really have good speed running down the field with a corner that's just stride for stride with them the whole time, and you're just watching it going, what is the purpose of this, I wonder? What exactly are we trying to accomplish? And Aaron Rodgers is just standing there waiting for these guys to come open. It's like, these guys aren't getting open. I hate to tell you, you might want to figure out a plan B pretty quick because this is not going to happen, and it doesn't. And again, after they run 40 yards away, they kind of stop and are like, well, no, what do I do? And they just start jogging around. Just, I don't know. I understand throwing the ball deep has to happen on occasion. It's just frustrating to watch. Because you see Aaron Rodgers standing there waiting to throw, and it's like, oh my goodness, hurry up. Get down the field already. I don't know what the end game here is. I don't know if you're planning on cutting at some point or going in a different direction, but I got three guys running in straight lines that are slow as molasses. The corners are not having any problem, and all we're doing is running closer to the safeties who can now help. So, I don't know what what, what we're thinking here. But I here, here's what I would say. Typically on these plays, Aaron Rodgers... If a guy's got a half a step and he trusts his arm, he's going to try to fit that ball in. He has to make a decision quickly. You can't stand there and wait for him to get 30 yards down the field to decide, maybe I'll throw it in, because then it's over. You should be able to decide within 5 to 10 yards if he's got a step on him and throw that ball. And if he doesn't, give it to Jamal. Forget the 40-yard play. I know you want it. Take the 5 yards from Jamal, and maybe maybe he shakes the one linebacker on the field. And, and by the way, with the wide receivers all running way down the field, do you know how much green grass is in front of Jamal? Granted, he's probably going to get smoked as soon as he catches it. But if he doesn't, that's 20 yards unabated. Nobody touches him. So I just, th- that would be something that, and, and again, of course, I'm not a coach. And I, you know, please allow me to underst- explain to you. I don't have all these credentials, but I, what I have is common sense. And I know beyond a certain point, the play is dead. It's just not going to work. I mean, maybe if we want to extend this play 8, 9, 10, 11 seconds, maybe they can scramble and get so wide open down the field, right? If, if they, from the left side of the field, start sprinting to the other corner of the end zone, maybe they can get out in front, and maybe I can heave this 45-yard pass and get a touchdown. Maybe. Or we do the thing that I said, try to keep the thing and keep the play in rhythm, try to get the ball out within maybe three to four seconds at the absolute most. And after three seconds, if you're looking at these wide receivers and saying, I don't think I can fit it in there, dump it off. Dump it off, run, do something, I don't know what, but give up the deep play. Don't wait until they're 30 yards down the field to go, mm, I don't know, maybe, eh, uh, no, go that. He's literally guiding people, pointing, like, go go right. The guy's 30 yards away. There's five DBs down there and three receivers. Why are you pointing to them? Like, hey, go th- I think I can. we can make this work. Go that way. No, give it up, man. And again, there's, there's two guys covering two guys down beneath. You got Danny Vitale and you got Jamal Williams, and they're covered by probably, I'm assuming, linebackers. Make them, you point to them like, dude, go, go. If Danny Vitale were to run a go route, he's got 30 yards of separation between anybody. If he can get behind this guy, let's try that out. If Jamal just runs to his left or his right, he's open. Dump the ball off. There, there needs to be an understanding that we got to kill this play a lot sooner. We can't Eight seconds in, start directing the guy 30 yards away. Like, come on, go go left, go left. No, 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 no. 
give up on that. So, anyways, that would be the critique of that. But again, it's, you know, the problem was nobody's open. And I understand you can't just say, well, do the check down every single time. Right. Not every single time. You got to give these plays a chance. But the play was dead when they were 15 yards down the field and just blanketed. And they're just running closer and closer to the safety. That's when you kill it and give it to Jamal. Not 20 yards, 25 yards, 30 yards, 35 yards, 40 yards down the field. And you're still looking like, oh, uh, maybe I can, I don't know, uh, uh. And then you don't even look or consider Danny Vitale until you're running for your life and somebody grabs your legs and you flip it to him. No. No. But again, that's that's sort of a that's a simple tweak. Whether or not Aaron Rodgers will listen, I don't know. But it's a simple tweak. The other thing that's really hard is to... Again, because I don't know the play and the progression and everything, it's easy to just look and go, ooh, there's a guy that's open, and wonder why he didn't throw it. But on the very next play, and, and I, you know, in the fourth quarter, it does seem like there were more problems as far as why didn't you do this or that. His two favorite guys are Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams. And then, you know, down the line, I don't know, Kumro, whatever, Alan Lazar. The one thing he doesn't seem to like to do is check down to Jamal. On the very next play, Devontae kind of is just wide open. And it appears as though he's kind of staring at him, but doesn't pull the trigger. And he's got a bunch of guys that kind of just seem open. So it's, it's that thing where they're running a zone. And these guys tuck in right in between where the zone is, and they both find these little pockets. But instead of throwing it to them, he throws it to Jamal, which is fine. It's still a four-yard pass, and he ends up getting uh, you know an extra yard after that. But I think he hits Devontae easily for about 12 yards in a first down. So it, it almost seems like something's going on with Aaron Rodgers. The confidence is getting shot. He's flustered. I don't, I don't really know. I don't understand because, again... The route is what the route is, and it's based on what the coverage is going to be, and it's the right call based on the coverage, meaning if Devontae does what he's supposed to do, he should be open. He did what he's supposed to do. He tucked in right in the perfect spot. He's about five yards away from the guys in front of him. He's like 10 yards away from the safeties or whoever behind him. And then there's a corner close to the the boundary who's maybe five to 10 yards away. If he burns that thing in, I mean, guys will be closing in, but it's a first down. But he looks away and says, no, I'm not going to throw that because now he's like getting gun shy or something and he just throws it to Jamal. And the problem is now it's third and five and they don't convert. And worst of all, it's another one of those plays where I don't know why it didn't convert. What's the problem? And again, I can't see exactly where his eyes are, but Jimmy Graham could not be any more wide open. And he's about 10 yards beyond the stick. And there's another guy. So so there's Devontae who's being double bracketed just beyond the first down mark. If he's staring at him so intent, I mean, just, just your peripheral vision should be able to see the other two wide receivers are both open. And I think it's Alan Lazard to the far side. He's got a big enough cushion. Now, if he just stands there and Rodgers throws it to him, it's going to get picked. But Alan Lazard has got almost 10 yards beyond the sticks, meaning he can run back toward the ball. If Rodgers throws it just one yard past the stick by the sideline, Alan Lazard can run back and catch that, and it's a first down. So he's got two guys that are open. And the same is true of Jimmy Graham. He's hooking back around. The safety's going to close, but if you throw it in the right spot, he's never going to get there because Jimmy just keeps working back toward the ball because he's got such a big buffer between where he is and where the first down marker is. He's staring in that direction where there's three guys. There's only one guy on the other side, and he's he's doubled up, so he's not going anywhere, so that's fine. But we, again, we got two guys. And you can say, well, maybe he's not looking at him. He doesn't even have to turn his head to see the other two guys. He can just glance with his eyes and see Jimmy's open. But, you know, and again, it's it's easy to just pause it and say he's open. Because if you unpause it literally one second later, the the guy's on him. And I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It just seems like that's that's the problem with rhythm, too, is you, you need to find a way to be looking in the right spot at the right time. You know, the, the previous play where Devontae finished his route and was open 
and Aaron Rodgers, for whatever reason, wasn't looking. Why aren't you looking at the exact right time? Isn't there supposed to be timing to all this? Like, you look away before he finishes his route? There has to be a way for this to make more sense, where I can only look at one person at this, at a time, and I'm always looking at the wrong person at exactly the wrong time. It just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it you know, the play call was fine. Guys were open, and they were open beyond the sticks, and those were, that should have been an automatic first down. When you got two guys that you can throw the ball to and, and move, you only got four guys running routes, two of them are open, and you can't get the ball to either of them. You just don't throw the ball, because you're staring at the guy who's standing in one spot with two guys bracketed him around him. I don't understand, so that, that so that was a pun. But, I, I mean, to get back to the original point, though, because I know I started off saying that it wasn't as bad, but the thing is, it's not. There's only two more drives left in this entire game, I believe. Which is to say, because this is the last drive of the quarter. Well, technically there's one play and then the end of the quarter. But there's there's only two drives in the entire fourth quarter. And to kind of close this thing out, basically on the next drive, um, Aaron Jones at the 35, he loses five yards, so it's second and 15. They call one of those plays where everybody's running really, really, really far. And by the time they even come out of their breaks, Aaron Rodgers is running because the pressure's getting home. Now... Technically, it's not even getting home, and maybe this is an Aaron Rodgers issue because if you look at when he starts running, the Packers are all on the inside, so he kind of panics and decides to book it, which kind of makes sense because there is some green grass, so he goes for it, and he picks up six. That's not bad, and to be honest, looking at these routes, I'm not seeing any real hope here, so maybe that was the right decision. He picks up six. Now it's third and nine. Now, this is one where he did decide early to throw the ball, and it was the right decision. Aaron Jones was getting wide open down the field. The problem was, and you can look at it and say, well, it was a bad throw, and it was a bad throw, but if you look at when he threw it, he was still trying to come off of this corner, or linebacker, or whoever he is. I think it was a line. it was Bostic. So the timing of the throw is hard, because he had, he isn't even starting to run until about a second after it's thrown, because he's still trying to get off this guy. But if we're going to critique it, fine. Number one, bad throw. Number two, the design of the play was to run sort of a, a pick route, which, to no, know that's not what it's called because that's illegal, but whatever it was, to spring Devontae open, he can catch it and run. He could have easily. If he would have just dumped it off to Devontae, I think this is he gets nine yards and it's a first down. But he sees the wide open guy, and he makes, I mean, it is the right call. If, if Aaron Jones is wide open down the field, throw it. But he missed him. And so what happened on this play? Was it something super horrible or on this drive? No. Aaron Jones ran for 10 yards. Then Aaron Jones lost five. Aaron Rodgers scrambled for six. And then Rodgers missed uh, Aaron Jones. I, You know, that's it. That's how quickly you end up punting. It's pretty unforgiving. You you better get that first down quick because you only get so many tries. There's no mulligans. And wasting one of your plays on losing five yards, not a great start. Then the, the final drive, I mean, just kind of summarizing it here, Aaron Rodgers got sacked early on, which obviously isn't great. But then he passes for, for two. And then he throws a 25-yard pass to Aaron Jones. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, first down. Throws a four-yard pass to Jimmy Graham. Throws that pass to Geronimo, who fumbles and then recovers and then reversed and blah, 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 right? It was a catch, whatever. So now it's first down at the 41-yard line. So they're driving. Aaron Rodgers passed to Devontae. It's caught. Aaron Jones ran, runs for 12, first down, right? I'm, I'm describing to you what a broken offense sounds like on the final drive against Washington. Aaron Jones gets another five yards, second and five. Jamal Williams runs up the middle for three. Jamal Williams runs up the middle for one. So this drive worked perfectly. Not uh, perfectly is the wrong way to describe it, but they're marching all the way down the field. They get down to the Washington 24-yard line. They run the ball three times and end up kicking a field goal. Aaron Rodgers didn't kill that drive. It worked until we ran the ball three times and didn't get a first down. We got nine out of 10 yards, and so we kicked a field goal. That's how the game ended. After that, Washington had the ball. 
right? They got a touchdown, didn't get the two points, tried the uh, onside kick, didn't get it, take a knee, game over. That's it. So, again, there were some plays that were frustrating, but how many did I go over? Like four or five? And a lot of those, there's hope because either there was a guy open and Rodgers missed, there was a guy open and Rodgers didn't pull the trigger, which isn't super comforting, but at the same time, it's not like we're watching a broken offense. We're looking at a coach that needs to sit down with Aaron Rodgers and say, look, here's what should have happened. Obviously, you know, now that we're both watching this here, why didn't it work? Why didn't you throw? What was going on? What, what is the process that's, bro- that there's a broken process here. How do we fix the process so that when a guy's open, you throw him the ball? And, and let's not pretend that Aaron Rodgers is the only one this happens to. There's a, a way in which you look at certain people at certain times, and if there's pressure, it changes things, and et cetera, et cetera. And you can get away with this happening more often against Washington, but the, the, the bigger issue is when you go up against Minnesota, when you get into the playoffs, you need to be much closer to perfect. And really, that's what we're talking about. It was imperfect. There were times when things should have happened that didn't happen. There were bad play calls. There were guys not getting open. There were guys running, you know, blocking when it was a passing play because they got the wrong call. There's Rodgers missing passes. There's Rodgers not throwing when guys are open. There's all these different things. And then there's times when there's pressure, right? That very now famous... Um, Ben Fennell, I think it was, who posted that clip that I just think he's he's wrong about. That was that was pressure. He's running, not because he saw green grass, but because guys were about to get him. And evidence of that is when he tries to step up and run, he goes down. That's how you know guys were pretty close. So there was a, a myriad of issues. Offensive line issues, guys not getting open issues, guys not listening to plays issues, bad throws, and some bad decisions. And I think these things tend to compound when, you know, they... Well, they compound. When bad things start happen, start to happen, Rodgers maybe starts to doubt himself, maybe starts to second-guess a little bit more. These things just kind of snowball. But again, overall, we're talking about a handful of plays. It's not like it was a whole game where Aaron Rodgers is just pathetic. That's That wasn't my takeaway from this. It wasn't great, and I wish things were different, and there were definitely opportunities left on the field, as the team said. Like, if we just do this, that's that's a first-down conversion, but we didn't do that. And by we, I mean Aaron Rodgers. But, it, you know, again, one of, one of the things that I had said before was that I don't know what good it's going to do for the coach to run upstairs and go see film. Right? What, what actually are you going to do? Having watched this, you can kind of see whether it's going to have any positive impact or not. I have no idea. But you can kind of see an area where, especially with the poor play calling, and I don't even know if you call it poor play calling. It might have, you know, sometimes stuff just happens, and I don't think fans accept that sometimes. Sometimes you call a play, and it's a good play, and the defense just calls the exact right play at the exact right time. Sometimes that just happens. And I don't know if you can say it's Aaron Rodgers' fault, Matt LaFleur's fault, anybody else's fault. It's just one of those things that, and granted, you can still beat anything. It just becomes incredibly hard to beat a perfect defensive play call. And again, sometimes that just happens. Same with the offense and the defense. Sometimes the offense just calls the perfect play against the defense that you're playing. The, the defensive you know play call that you call. And there's no real rhyme or reason for it. It's it's chess, not checkers, right? You think I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do that. Or, you, you know, you, you think I'm going to do this, so you're going to do that, so I'm going to counter that by doing this. And if you just call that right perfect play and it's executed properly, it's beautiful and it's going to work because the defense is out of position or, or vice versa. Or the, the offense, just everything they're doing, there's just guys right in those spots because it was just the right call. And again, not that it's completely unbeatable. If, if the offensive line can hold their block long enough, the wide receiver should be able to come off it and get open enough that Aaron Rodgers throws a good enough ball to at least get some yardage out of this on a play in which they never should have because it was a perfect play call. 
But that, that's one of the biggest things I get every time I go back and watch this. There's not always a very clear answer. And maybe there is. Maybe for people that, you know, if you were a, if, you know, if I were to sit down with Mike McCarthy, maybe he could sit down and explain it to me better. But I'm looking at it just shrugging my shoulders going, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what we could have done better on that other than a different play call. But that doesn't mean Matt LaFleur is terrible because why did you call that play? He doesn't know what the defense is. He doesn't know what they're going to do. He obviously wasn't expecting them to do what they're doing right now. I mean, for example, you look at some of these plays where it's like third and two, and instead of running the ball, Aaron Rodgers drops and passes, and somehow they have eight guys in coverage. Wait a minute. Did you just drop eight on third and two? Right? I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? If you just look at it from that perspective, it's more the fact that the other team was kind of brilliant and took a massive risk, and I'm not even saying that ever happened, but just as an example. That would be a situation where we think we're going to get super creative and you saw it coming and you took a giant risk and it super paid off. Because on a third and two, instead of just... And, and if, if the Packers run it on third and two, it's automatic first down because they're rushing three. I mean, not necessarily automatic. That's when... And, and that's... So, again, this football's so complex. It's, it's beautiful and horrible at the same time. Let's say the Packers run in that situation. The Packers absolutely, numerically, should win that 10 times out of 10. But... That's when it becomes, instead of just this group thing where you call this play and I call this play, it becomes an individualistic game. Where the defensive line, where the coach looks at the defensive line and says, I'm putting you in a really bad spot, and if they run, you better win. You have to, because you are the only line of defense. You get no help. And you can still have, even even when you call the wrong play, you can still have a guy, you know, Kenny Clark or whatever, just blows up the guy in front of him and tackles someone for a loss, and that should never happen. Because given the numbers, it should have been an automatic first down. And the only thing you can really say in those situations where if you get, let's say, a bunch of calls in which they keep calling, for example, the exact right call, and that would be something to go back and look at the 49ers game because it felt like they had our number. If they keep calling the exact right calls and you keep calling the exact wrong calls, the only thing you can say is that the head coach needs to do a better job of game prep and and understanding what the team's tendencies are so that during the game you call the right plays instead of the wrong plays. That's That's the other part of this. It's, it's number one, are you too predictable where the other teams know exactly what you're going to do? Number two, do you have the ability to know what they're going to do and counteract that? And I think, I, I, I think in a bigger sense, that happens a lot more often than we realize where coaches either get too much credit or not enough credit. For example, there are teams, let's say the Chiefs, for example. I think there, there is a possibility. This is just an example. I'm not watching it. I'm not analyzing it. I don't know. But it's not impossible that you get a guy like Andy Reid that is just a genius, that is so good at studying and understanding tendencies and calling the right plays at the right time that essentially he's putting his team in opportunities to win on every play. And they, if, if it's just a matter of if you execute properly, we will succeed. The numbers are on our side. Everything's on our side. If you call the right play every time, you should win every game you ever play. And that's not to take away from Pat Mahomes. It's not to take away from Tyreek Hill or anything like that. But if you have a coach that does a good enough job with prep and also is a is a tactician on the field to understand first of all based on the study we did based on the and what I think the Patriots are probably the best example of this I, I don't know why I picked the Chiefs the Patriots are the perfect example of this they do such a great job of game prep to know exactly what the other team is going to do maybe that has something to do with videotaping them I don't know we'll leave that alone for now but that's that's really what makes the Patriots great Tom Brady I don't think is great He's good. He throws accurate passes. He makes good decisions. But again, I think it's the mental part of the game, not the physical part. And at the end of the day, who cares? It's not even so much a knock against Patriots fans. It's not debatable that Aaron Rodgers is more athletic and make, can make more circus throws than Tom Brady. But at the end of the day, so what? Who cares? If the mental mind meld 
between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is so that when they're on the field, they know what the defense is going to do. They call the right plays. Tom Brady understands why you call the play and where who should be open when because you know what the defense is going to do before they even call the play so that you can just distribute the ball all over the place to where it looks like these are just simple calls because they are. These aren't super complex calls. This isn't a super complex offense that just tricks everybody. It's just a matter of we know what you're going to do because we've studied the film. We know what's going to happen, and we know just the right play call to counteract it. And that's why watching Patriots games are the most frustrating in the world because all they do is call little slant routes and the guy's wide open every time. Because they know you're doing this, and if we do this while you're doing that, then we're fine. You're in man coverage? Okay. Boom, rub route. He's open. Guess what? Eight yards. Automatic. Automatic. And they've just got this system down. That's the intellectual part of the game, and that's something that Matt LaFleur can continue to grow in. And, and again, I want to bring us back to the part where this is the team's first year. This is the first year of a rebuild. Having hiccups to where maybe play calls get misconstrued, maybe we're not calling the right plays at the right time. All these little hiccups, not all that shocking or surprising. Much more shocking and surprising is the the shocking efficiency of the offense when it's working. How great this offense is when it's clicking. That's a little bit more shocking than sometimes this doesn't work out super well. And again, nobody cares because nobody likes to think long-term. Everybody says, well, I don't care that maybe in two, three years this will be a great offense. I care about winning the Super Bowl this year. I understand that's not comforting to you, but that's kind of all I've got. To say it's not impossible the Packers win a Super Bowl this year, but really the the positive here is the long-term trajectory. Because the biggest fear I have for this team is going up against the Bill Belichicks or the Kyle Shanahan's, who at the end of the day, it's not about the roster. It's about the fact that I've beat you before we take in the field because of the prep work that I've done with my team compared to the prep work you've done with your team. I know you. I know what you're going to do. I know the plays you're going to call. Your offense, your defense, I've got it. I know all of it. We've got you pegged. We know how to beat you. That 49ers game was over before they ever set foot on the field because of the work Kyle Shanahan and the defensive coordinator and the quarterback and all these guys have done together. They had a plan. They knew exactly what to do. And again, look, look at Kyle Shanahan's track record. Kyle Shanahan in his first year went 6-10. and 10. In his second year, he went 4-12. and 12. And I understand the quarterback was hurt. This year, they're 11-2. and two. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good team right now, primarily the defense. I guess that's not true. The offense is just about as good as the defense. But still, this is three years in the making. And again, this is why I say the Packers are imposters. Kyle Shanahan has been building this for years. Sean Payton has been building the Saints team for literally decades with Pete Carmichael at his side for decades. You know, we think about Baltimore as a brand new brand new team because they have a new quarterback. John Harbaugh has been there for a long time. John Harbaugh just got a giant extension and everybody was laughing, including myself. The guy's been the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens since 2008, building and grinding and working and studying. Don Martindale, I, I've talked about him in the past as well. The amount of failures he's had in the NFL. The, the places he's coached where he just does not do a good job. All right, he, he was with uh, Oakland as a linebacker's coach, or an inside linebacker coach, then got promoted to linebacker coach, and then got uh, over to Denver as a linebacker coach, finally got his shot as a defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. The defense is so horrible. Everybody gets fired. He goes to Baltimore as an inside linebacker's coach, starts all over again at 49 years old. Takes him five years to become a linebacker coach again. Takes him... Th- three years before he becomes a defensive coordinator, or two years. And my first thought, if you were to ask me, is that this is going to be an abject failure because it's never gone well. Look at that Baltimore defense. It's a top five defense, arguably the number one offense. 
They've been building and building and build. They've got a defensive coordinator that's never done anything right, at least from the outside looking in. Obviously, the guy's got talent or he wouldn't be where he is. Greg Roman has been there for three years. Obviously, the Patriots, we know their track record of what they've been building for years. The Texans and Bill O'Brien. How long has Bill O'Brien been there working and working and grinding? Teams like the Packers, teams like the Browns, these, these are teams that have, they're, they're just starting. And again, look at the other teams that are just starting. Look at the Bengals. They're 1-12 and with their new head coach. Look at the Browns with their new head coach and all their flashy new additions. They're 6-7. and seven. Look at the Lions in their second year with their head coach, 3-9, and 3-9-1. and one. The Cardinals, brand spanking new quarterback, super elite, crazy college coach, 3-9-1. and one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers got this super elite coach. He's going to come in and fix everything. They're 6-7. and seven. Denver Broncos, 5-8. and eight. Oakland Raiders, 6-7. and seven. That's been, what, two years now? New York Jets, 5-8. and eight. Miami Dolphins, 3-10. and ten. Did I miss any? Those are all the teams, not one of which has a winning record, that have new coaches. But new this year or last year. In the last two years, brand new coaches. Green Bay Packers, first year, 10-3. and three. The Packers are imposters. I don't mind. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying they don't belong because they've earned exactly what they have right now. I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of perspective. The Packers should not be 10-3 and three right now. I mean, just, just based on, you know, first-year head coach, look what every other first-year head coach is doing, look at, look at all the variables and just say, what honestly do you think should happen here? 10-3 and three is not the answer. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for them to grow and to learn, for, for Matt LaFleur to march upstairs and watch the film. There's a lot for him to learn from this. What did they do? What could we have done? You know, when, when Nathaniel Hackett says we didn't expect him to drop eight, did they adjust anything? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not accusing. I'm just asking. These are, these are the questions. What do we do in this situation? When you say something took, took you off guard, that's a great opportunity to learn and grow. Because this defense is doing something different than what everyone else was doing before. Because everybody else was doing something else, and we're learning how to beat that. And then suddenly somebody throws us a curveball, and they start doing something completely different. It's like, all right, well, what do we do in this situation? What if a defense decides to drop eight and, and let us have Aaron Jones run for 200 yards? What do we do? Obviously, you run the ball a lot, but you also have to throw the ball. How, how do we beat this? What do we do in that situation? There's no reason not to be optimistic. I mean, there, there are reasons. But if we're keeping everything in perspective, I think things are going really, really well. I think Matt LaFleur has earned our trust. If he says he's going to go learn and try to grow and, 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 and do more with this team, we have every reason to believe that that's going to happen. And if there are limitations that we can't fix this year, which I don't think there are because the trade deadline has passed, and, um, I mean, there aren't just great wide receivers or tight ends just sitting out there waiting to be picked up. So we have what we have. But if there's something we need in the future, we also should trust Brian Gutekunst and his ability to find the talent we need through either free agency or through the draft. So, anyways, that's going to be it. i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.